Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Coastline Church. It is so good to be with you on this first week of the year. Are you excited to be here today? Come on. Is anyone in the house today? Man, well, thank you, Pastor Laura, for that introduction. I'm happy to be here with you, and welcome to a brand new year. And as Pastor Laura was mentioning, we lovingly call this week Next Step Sunday. And if you've been around Coastline for any amount of time, maybe a little while now, you'd be familiar with our language that we are a church of what? Next Steps. We're a church of next steps, and you may have even heard our mission statement Our church exists to help people take the next step in their spiritual journey by revealing the life-giving message of who? Of Jesus. And Lord willing, we will continue this into the next hundred years of our history. Amen? Come on. Well, I love how the new year always presents an opportunity for a blank slate in our lives and we can forge ahead and we set new goals and make resolutions. Some of us might even get gym passes, right? Come on. And uh, we start routines, whether it's getting more sleep and every parent in the room was like, amen, I need more sleep, or whether it's eating better or getting better grades or starting a new position at work. There are many goals that we can set for ourselves in the year 2024. My question for you today is this, will 2024 be the year that you take a step forward in your faith? Will 2024 be the year you take a step forward in your faith, in your walk with Jesus Christ? And my prayer for you is that through this message today, that you would hear from God about what your next step would be. And I'm praying that his spirit, his Holy Spirit will speak to you in your heart and in your mind today. The truth is is that no matter how long you've been a Christian, there is a step or steps that you can take to become fully devoted follower of, or a more fully devoted follower of Jesus. And if you're not a Christian yet today, that's okay. I'm praying that God will also speak to you today and that you'll take your next step and begin to follow him with your life. It's an amazing life that we have with Christ. But here's the rub, and you guys know this rub. When it comes to resolutions, we know this dynamic all too well, okay? Most resolutions are abandoned, Goals are easily forgotten, left behind, or continuously adjusted to be a little less ambitious. Am I right? (laughs) I'm really good at making my goals a little less ambitious. Maybe I should try to increase that next year. But by the time February hits, we might have even forgotten what we set out to do in the first place. And on top of this dynamic, I have to ask, how many of our resolutions have eternal spiritual value? How many of our goals serve to build up our faith And how do they bring us closer to God? There's something to be said about continuously building our faith, not just at New Year's, but all throughout the years. And I think that we're missing something in our lives if we aren't consistently trying to get closer to God. What do we miss if we leave out the pursuit of holiness or godliness in our lives? You know, it's entirely possible to be a Christian and not go deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
If we don't make any effort to add to our faith this year, we run the risk of not growing in our faith. And year after year, you could be a Christian for 10, 20, or 40 years, your whole life even, and still be in the first year of your faith. And to me, that's such a loss. Let's not live the same year over and over again in our Christian lives. Because if we do, we're missing out on the blessing of a deepened, widened relationship with Jesus Christ. And as I began to think about this message and pray through it, I was reminded about a passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, 3-10, to and I want to bring it out for you. I want to read it out and then share a few things about this passage. You can find it in the end of the book. 2 Peter chapter 1, I'll start in verse 3. His divine power, this is God, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Why? For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. I love it. Amen. You have everything you need for a godly life. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you love us and that you desire a true and deep relationship with every one of us. I pray that you would open our eyes to your knowledge, to the knowledge of your glory and goodness and help us to take steps forward in our faith. Give us the courage to live differently this year. And speak to us in a supernatural way this morning. By your spirit and in your holy name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is, as you can guess, Make Every Effort. I love that Peter said that. Make Every Effort. You heard it a couple times in the passage today. And when I think about taking next steps, I'm greatly encouraged by this passage. If you can take something or take hold of something that you hear today, I'm confident that you can use what you've heard to grow your faith this year. Everyone here can do that. Let's go back to verse 3 and 4, and we'll start to unpack this passage, okay? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Come on. Thank you, Lord. How? Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I want us to quickly look at the context of who's writing this and why today. We see the apostle Peter writing to a group of believers who seem to be 
being led astray by false teachers. If you read in verse or chapter two, you see all about these false teachers. There were a people called the Gnostics among them who believed Gnosticism. And Gnostics believed that salvation came through secret special knowledge. Sounds fun, right? And that this knowledge would help them to to better know themselves and who they are and their destiny even. Sounds like some of the beliefs we have kind of going around in Instagram and stuff like that, right? Like, get better for yourself. Know yourself. Yourself is God, right? That kind of thing happens. I don't know, maybe not. I'm not on Instagram, so. Among other things, they taught that there was no harm in indulging the desires of the flesh because the body was seen as corrupt and beyond redemption anyway. So you can do whatever you want with your body because it's corrupt and condemned anyways. It's okay. Just do what you want. The interesting thing is that this passage, I believe, still speaks to us today because there's lots of people claiming that we need secret knowledge to be saved. And even more people who would say, you can do whatever you want with your body. Nobody can tell you what's right or what's wrong. Verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And I'm sure I could spend the whole time talking about this one verse today. I'm not going to do that. But Peter was concerned with how his readers viewed salvation and ethics, how they lived. So it's no surprise, as Peter writes, God has called each one of us by his own glory and goodness. God's divine power has opened up our hearts, our minds, to truly know him. Our knowledge of him actually gives us what we need for a godly life. The word knowledge in the Greek language is epignosis. And epignosis isn't just about blind facts. The Greek understanding would have been more than just a simple head knowledge. This is about a relational knowledge. It's an, it's an experienced reality that we would have. Think back to when you were saved or why you were saved. Why did you commit your life to following Jesus Christ? Maybe you remember back, however long it was. At that time, you had an experience of Jesus The eyes of your heart were open to the reality of Jesus' sacrifice and eternal salvation. You actually had a glimpse of God's glory and his goodness and the fact that salvation was for you. And in those moments, you had epignosis, a knowledge of God, an experience of him. You realized that knowing God could actually change your life forever. Verse 4 Through these, that's God's glory and his goodness, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Imagine living your entire Christian life not realizing that the real, true Christian life is an invitation to participate in the divine nature of God. It's not about becoming God ourselves, however. Through Jesus, we are holy, And we are called to mirror and reflect his character among us to the world around us. We're meant to be models of the goodness, the glory, and the kindness of God. And how do we do this? We do it by living out 
his promises. By knowing his promises and inviting others into the promises of God. Did you know that there are an estimated 30,000 or more promises in the Bible? I spent the whole week counting them. No, I didn't. (laughs) But how many, I would ask, like how many of the promises do you know? In the good times and in the hard times, we can hold on to these promises that God has for us. And I want to share just a few of my favorites this morning. I'll rattle them off quickly, okay? Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, God will never leave us or forsake us. Come on. Thank you, Lord. I need that today. He has forgiven your sin and washed away all of your unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. James 1, 5, he will give you wisdom if you ask for it. Hey, you don't know what to do next in your life? Ask God for wisdom and he will give it to you. That's a promise. He has promised us rest and a light and easy burden. Matthew 11, 29 to 30. Thank you, Lord. He has promised us a peace that transcends understanding. Philippians 4, verse 7. Maybe that's a promise you need today. Peter calls the promises of God very great and precious. And we would be wise to hold on to these promises as such as well. And I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged today because these promises are for you. They're for me. They're for us. And some of us here today need to start carrying the promises of God in our lives because through these promises, we actually participate in the divine nature of God. We participate in what he's doing on the earth. People will know we are Christians by how we live out the promises of God. All right, back to the second half of verse four, which I left out there for a second. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We live out the Christian life knowing that we have escaped the corruption of evil desires. Here Peter is saying that salvation has to bring about a change within us. As we follow Christ, our desires change. Our behaviors will change. What we allow into our lives will change. The the content that we watch and what we listen to, the voices that we let speak into our lives have to change. We have the ability to rise above the corruption of evil desires because we know his promises that he set us free from the power of sin and death. That's a promise. If you find yourself lacking knowledge in the promises of God, I want to invite you to take a step forward in your faith and begin to read the Bible on a daily basis. There are amazing Bible reading plans that can help you get started in the YouVersion Bible app. You know what? Come and see me after if you want any advice on that or head to our next steps desk as Pastor Laura said. They can also help you there. But just by way of recap, verse three, God, through his divine power, has given everything we need for a godly life. If you think about it, that's another promise that we can hold on to today. The Christian life is a life of following Jesus Christ, becoming more like him year after year. And the hope is that we would continue to deeply resemble the character of Christ in our daily living. Because the Christian life isn't lived by accident. It's intentional. Let's head to verse five, okay? For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection 
love. I'm so thankful for lists like these sometimes. I think we all owe Peter a a debt of gratitude for reminding us how to live the Christian life. These eight attributes remind us how we can grow in our relationship with Christ. Faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. You know, my wife, Kirsten, and I, we love to bake. We love to cook. Maybe some of you have been recipients of that baking. Oftentimes on the weekends, we'll try new recipes and we enjoy heading out to the grocery store and finding these ingredients and bringing them home and making something new. But you can probably relate to this. Once in a while, when we make a recipe, it looks pretty good, but when you bite into it, there's something off. And then you start to wonder, like, did we forget an ingredient? Like, maybe we doubled something or did I use the wrong thing? Like, it asked for baking soda and I put baking powder. Who knows? What went wrong? And why doesn't it taste like how my mother-in-law makes it? And most of the time, it's because I've taken liberty with the preparation, right? Or the recipe uses some gadget that we just don't have. And what I've realized with good recipes and bad is that there's a proper method to making things. And in our passage today, it's as if Peter is giving us a recipe. He's saying, here are the ingredients to the Christian life. Don't use them sparingly. They'll help you. Remember the context of the letter. He's writing to correct false teachers, Gnostics, people who believe that salvation comes from secret knowledge. They believe that they could freely sin with their bodies because they're already too far gone. But it's as if Peter is saying, if you follow this recipe, you'll be on the right track. In fact, he says, make every effort to do so. Do everything you can to add to your faith goodness. Imagine how appealing the Christian life actually is when you follow the recipe. When's the last time you made every effort for something? And I'm not talking about signing up your kids for swimming lessons at 6 a.m., okay? As we talk about these attributes, I know that there's a step for each and every one of us here in this room today. Whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, you can take a step forward with God today. Peter's list starts with faith. Faith is our unwavering trust in God. Maybe your next step is having faith. Make a decision to follow Jesus with your life because you know he's given you forgiveness, grace, and mercy for the wrongs that you've done now and forevermore. Living a life for Jesus starts with believing in him, starts with faith. And make every effort to add goodness to your faith. Goodness is faith on the move. Goodness is faith in action. It's righteousness that comes from belief in God and it's put into action. Make every effort to add knowledge to your goodness. This is not just facts, but the understanding that you can know God and that you are known by God. Did you know that he sees you? And if you know it, this knowing can change how you behave. You know, it's a hard reality There are some people here today who believe that God doesn't see them or their struggle. Some people might even believe here today that God is fully unaware of their situation and that he's even disinterested in them altogether. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. God cares deeply about each and every one of us. In Genesis chapter 16 at the start of the Bible, one of the first descriptions of God is given by a woman named Hagar. I don't have time to read the whole story today, 
But the gist of it is that Hagar was asked to bear a son for a couple of followers named Abram and Sarai. And if you remember their story, Sarai was barren. Long story short, Hagar actually fulfills the duty of bearing this son for Abram. But when she did that, Sarah, Sarai became jealous of her and started to mistreat her. So she ran away. Hagar ran away. And while she was running away, an angel of the Lord appeared to her and made her a promise. And I want to pick it up in Genesis 16. The angel says this to her. Go back to your mistress and submit to her, the angel added. I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And I'm here to tell you today that the God we believe in is the same God who sought out Hagar in Genesis 16. Our God is the God who sees you. Would you let that knowledge sink into your heart today? Our God sees you. So make every effort. Add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, and now self-control. Knowledge without self-control leads us to live in the gray areas and it might actually add or lead us to ask questions like, hey, how close can I live to sin without sinning, right? Self-control is so hard. Ask anyone who's tried to start a diet or navigated the many seasons of candy in our house. (laughs) One commentator writes about a French-American naturalist, John Audubon. As he set out to complete his life's work making a pictorial record of every bird in North America, listen to this. He counted his physical comforts as nothing compared with success in his work. He would crouch motionless for hours in the dark and fog, feeling himself well rewarded if after weeks of waiting he secured one additional fact about a single bird. He would have to stand almost to his neck in the nearly stagnant water, scarcely breathing, while countless poisonous moccasin snakes swam past his face, and great alligators passed and repassed his silent watch. It was not pleasant, he said, as his face glowed with enthusiasm, but what of that? I have the picture of the bird. He would do that for a picture of a bird. And I don't know what you think about that, but that's an amazing picture to me of self-control. Imagine if we would have such determination in our spiritual lives, if we resolved to hold our tongues from negativity about our boss or our leaders, our spouse, or even our church. What blessings could we have if we strongly guarded our devotional time against all odds and spent time with the Lord on a daily basis? Let's make every effort to live lives of self-control because sometimes those moccasin snakes will be passing your gaze. Make every effort now to add perseverance. Perseverance is us patiently enduring the opposition of our faith. Persecution, adversity, trials, and tribulations. You know, Jesus didn't promise us Christians an easy life. He did tell us, though, to expect trouble, but he also said this, not to fear because he's overcome the trouble we'll face. Make every effort to persevere when trouble comes because it will, and when it does, the Lord will be with you. 
Make every effort to add perseverance, godliness, and we talked about godliness already a little bit. It's having the quality and character of our creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't often think about what it means to live a holy life, that might be the next step for you. God wants your conduct to be holy. Holy simply means to be set apart or without sin. Let's pursue holiness, living without sin. That could be your step for 2024. Make every effort to add mutual affection. This characteristic is sometimes translated as brotherly kindness in other translations, and it's perfectly described by Jesus in John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Come on. The same loyalty, affection, and love you have for your best friends can and should be exercised with all believers. One love for another signals something, or love for another signals something to the world. We are a community of believers who look out for each other. And this makes me think about small groups, Pastor Laura, as you were talking. Make every effort to add mutual affection, brotherly kindness to your love, and you can do this in a small group. We do that in community. And if you aren't living in community, you aren't part of a small group that meets regularly, you're actually missing out on a crucial ingredient of your faith of growing your faith. And it's no secret that Coastline is a big church, right? We say that on Sundays we meet in rows, and during the week we meet in circles, in people's homes. This week is a week you can sign up for a small group. Please go ahead and do that. If you need community, if you want to meet with people in circles, not just rows, head into the atrium and sign up for a small group after the service. Our small groups, they study the faith together, they pray together, they share life and they share food together. You don't have to do life alone. Make every effort to add mutual affection, brotherly kindness to your life this year. This also means that we bear with one another through personalities and quirks that we all have. Pastor Laura and I wouldn't be friends today if she didn't do that many years ago, bearing with my personality and my quirks. And finally, there's one attribute that Peter saved to cap off all the other attributes. It's love. The New Testament understanding of love is that it's supernaturally given to us. Love comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Love is the first of the fruits that Paul mentions in Galatians 5, 22. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 5, verse 8? It's one of my favorites. But God demonstrates his love, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Come on. That gets me fired up, guys. We were first loved by God. And since we know we've experienced this love, we are equipped to love others around us. Love is the distinguishing characteristic of every Christian. Love is sacrificial and it costs us something. And it's supernatural because we can only love our enemies by the power of God. Make every effort to add to your faith. Love. There are a lot of hooks for you to hold on to this year, my friends. There's something you can add to your faith today. And I want to tell you today, I didn't present this list of eight things to make you feel guilty. That's not my intention. Just what Pastor Laura said. It's not about living a life of shame. It's about seeing that God has something greater for you in the future. 
But what I'm here to do is encourage you that there are many ways to grow in your faith. These are the ingredients of a well-lived Christian life. Take them and use them in abundant measure. And as I conclude, I want to briefly mention verses 8 to 10 in our passage today, 2 Peter 1, verses 8 to 10. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. There's an effect to making every effort. There's an effect when you make every effort to enrich your faith. It keeps us from being ineffective or unproductive in our knowledge, our experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And like I said at the beginning of my message, it's entirely possible to be a Christian and never go deeper in your relationship with Christ. Let's not forget that we have the forgiveness of sins, that we've been cleansed from our past. It gives us the strength to push through temptation and to pursue holiness in our lives. And it's interesting that Peter asks his readers to make every effort to confirm their calling and election. He knows and we know that our calling is to follow Jesus and our election is our ability to follow Jesus. They're all a work of the Spirit of God. So why would we make every effort to confirm them if it's a move of the Spirit? I think it's because as we continuously grow in our faith, the Lord will reveal to us if we're on the right track. Like when David said, search me and know my heart, God. He was confirming his calling and his election with God. So my question for you this year is, are you on the right track? God has something greater for you this year. You just have to take hold of it. Make every effort to enrich your faith. Why don't we take a moment, close your eyes around here. As I wrap up, would you let the Spirit of God speak to you? There's a step that you can take. I didn't mention all the steps. There's hundreds of steps available for you to take. Maybe you haven't been baptized yet or maybe you don't pray every day. Maybe you haven't joined a small group or joined team. Maybe you want to join a freedom group. There are many steps that you can take. But would you let God speak to you right now? There's something you need to do to step forward in your faith this year and it may be a bold step but we take steps forward with Christ knowing that he has given us his divine power so that we can live a godly life. He's given us everything we need. So let me pray for you today. Lord Jesus, I pray for my friends here, each person in this room or those watching online. Continue to give them everything they need to live for you. Thank you that you've called us, that you make our calling sure through your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would show us what to do next. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you stir something up in us 
so that we can represent you in the year 2024 in the way you would want us to, Lord Jesus. Be glorified in us. Show your goodness and kindness to others through us. And Lord, above all, would you be lifted up on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Lord Jesus. Have your way. In your name I pray today, amen.